Man, what a sweet aroma just to sit in his presence. Y'all feel that? good to know that all we need is him that he's sufficient for all things that we can just rest at his feet knowing that his protection is over us knowing that his extremely gracious love his mercies it's all right there before us so take this quick moment wherever you're at Whatever you're needing, whatever you're feeling, whatever you're seeing, whatever you think you've made done, you're at the foot of our Most High God right now. Lay it at His feet. His grace and mercy is sufficient, the Word says. It's sufficient for all of us. Lay it at His feet. As that song was playing... I've been studying out along with several other men in here in the in the Old Testament and we're kind of at a part where Aaron and Moses are constructing the tabernacle and God's commanding Moses with all these these things that God required at that time to what he needed to do to prepare the tabernacle and the things to make it holy and 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 constructing the ark and where to place it within the tabernacle and all all these things and and how to sprinkle the blood and bring the anointing oil and and light the candles and there were so many things like even just me reading it was confusing me and then I imagined myself having to do that what those commandments were if I would have forgot one thing Aaron's two sons put the wrong wood in the burning burning deal and, they, and I thought God had killed them because they put the wrong wood for their incense, for the, for the smoke. But that wasn't what happened. They also walked in a place of the Holy of Holies where only the high priest could go, only where Aaron could go. And those two, Aaron's sons died because they were not told to walk in the place of Holy of Holies. But Jesus Christ was our last sacrifice that we had to do. His blood was sufficient enough to die for us. Right now, see, I don't know that you all understand that. So when he died, that veil was torn. That veil was not just a sheet. It was over nine inches thick and it ripped like a piece of paper. You all are in the Holy of Holies right now. Amen. You're in that place to have relationship with God, to have relationship with Jesus Christ because what He did on that cross. So lay everything that you have. If you don't think you're sufficient enough to be standing in a place of Holy of Holies in the presence of God, then lay it at His feet right now today. I'm doing an altar call right now. (laughs) Give your life to God right now. Amen. If that song did not hit you right now, if you don't have a relationship with God, if you don't realize that that you are worthy, God sees you as worthy to stand in a place of Holy of Holies. God wants that presence be felt by you right now.
give yourself to God. Thank you, Jesus. Give yourself to God. Amen. Amen. Man. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. That song was so powerful. Thank you guys so much. I am, as most of you know here, at the beginning of every month, we pray over our tithe that we would do the right thing with, with his finances that he's given authority for us to take care of and manage for him. So um, we're going to pray over our tithe. But before I do that, Miss Lejeune is going to carry us in there, and she's got a few words to to say to you. It's, a, it's an awesome, very powerful testimony, and I'm just thankful and glad that that we get to hear from her. So give her a hand. She's a little bit nervous, so help her out. Good morning, God's children. Isn't this a crazy day with the fog? Then the sun is coming. It's going to be good. Um, again, as Pastor Greg says, my name is um, Lejeune. Every Everybody that comes to know Jesus and the Holy Spirit come in different ways. Um, mine happened to be back in 2022, and the enemy launched an all-out assault on my family, and things were falling apart, and I was broken. And I broke into a million pieces. And I wish Rhett's cup was still on the floor because (laughs) that is exactly how I felt. Broken, I went to my knees and I began to talk to God on a really personal level. And the voice of Isaiah came and said, Do not be afraid, for I am here with you. Do not be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you and hold you up with my victorious right hand. That was the beginning. Um, I listened to a radio station called K-Love, which is Christian. And it wasn't long after that that a song was playing and the chorus, and I'm not going to sing it or Pastor Greg won't have an audience when I'm done. (laughs) Um, The chorus was, God, the battle belongs to you. Every fear I lay at your feet. And that's exactly what I did. We hear the word restore kicked around here. And that's what happened to me. It restored my soul and it restored my family. A few months later, um, I had an accident and I know a lot of you saw me in a back brace for a few months. And I was warned about things that might happen, but I kept the faith. Three months later, when I got the brace off and the last x-ray was given, the orthopedist said, I don't believe this. 
I can barely see it. And right then and there, God did it. God did it again. After that, I made a promise to God. He gave me two amazing miracles. I saw the mountain tremble. I saw it thrown into the ocean. And it was the biggest, truest miracle I've ever experienced, both of them. Um, So I made God a promise. I said, you gave me whole miracles, and I'm not going to be a leftover tither. We all know what that is. You pay your bills first, go out to eat, shop a little bit, and then figure out what you're going to tithe. I didn't get a leftover miracle for him, and he was not going to get leftover from me. Amen. Um, Jesus tells a story in the New Testament about the poor widow who came to the synagogue and what went in the coffers from her was copper coins which translated to our stuff is basically pennies God doesn't he doesn't care how big, how much money you make, where you live, any of that. He cares about your heart and your faithfulness to help his ministry. So if you have $10, give a tenth. If you have a million dollars, give a tenth. Because that's what God expects And the trust and the faith keeps building, building huge. Quite frankly, when I went from the pay the bills and all of that to a tither, I didn't notice any difference. And I don't know how or why that happened, but I didn't notice it. So I am continuing to give. What God has given, what God expects from me, and He has blessed me so much. It's just been incredible. He's blessed me with great health, with all of you people. I mean, I don't know what I'd do without you. You are pillars. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. And that is so very true. So, in this time, um, I pray that your finances will be plenty. I pray that it will follow with blessings plenty. Mm -hmm. So, 
Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for giving the gift of abundant eternal life. You are a good Father who gives us good gifts. Your generosity overflows to us. Everything we have is a gift from you. As we bring our tithes and offerings to you, we give back to you from the abundant blessings you have given to us. May our tithes and offerings, excuse me, be acceptable in your sight. Please help us in our diligent, please help us to be diligent savers and wise spenders. We ask that you give us wisdom to apply our hearts into understanding, especially in the area of our finances, so that we can continue blessing others and support your ministry. Lord, bless and keep you. May your face shine upon us. Turn your face to us and give us peace through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. She just made my job a little bit more tougher. Thanks, Miss LeJune. What a huge testimony. What a huge blessing of obedience and, and honoring God. And how great is he when that, when we get to see when we are obedient in him asking us what to do or where to go. And sometimes, to be honest with you, it's some of this stuff's not very fun or, or kind of tough sometimes to do. But when we're obedient in that word, knowing that, that God's hands upon it, Somewhere down the line, we're going to understand it and receive the blessings he's got for us. Amen. Amen. All right, y'all awake? All right. Y'all kind of get my rules up here. I'm no longer uh, ahead of the the youth ministry back there, but I know that they're dealing with some of the things that I used to deal with. Sometimes you don't think they're listening to you or they're ignoring you, so I I need input. I need to have people speaking to me. I need to have an amen. I need to have people talking back to me. This isn't a one-sided story. I don't have all the knowledge at all. So I need some help from you guys to to get me started and get me going. This is the day the Lord's made, so we better be glad in it. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I'm going to start this off a little bit different than I normally do. I usually set you up with kind of a story or all that, but I I turned it around a little bit. So... uh, if you have your Bibles or your phones or iPads or whatever you're reading your, your Bible from, get it out. We're going to go to Luke chapter 9, and I'm going to start in verse 51. Holler at me when you're there, or at least one of you. All right. It says right here in my caption, I'm reading out the New Living Translation, so it says, Opposition from the Samaritans. It says, as the time drew near from him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead to Samaria, to the Samaritan village, to prepare for his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord... Should we call down fire from heaven and burn them all up? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. So they went on 
their way to another village. So you can see right there the tension that's building up right there from the guys that are with Jesus. In verse, in verse 51, the Lord's time has come. Jesus is coming to the end of his ministry here on earth. He's, he's about ready to go to the cross. He knows what's happening. He's preparing his life for the, for the next step. You know, in that, in, in Isaiah, it says that he was preparing to be prepared like a sheep to the slaughter. He was getting ready to go to the cross. His ministry here on earth was about ready to come to an end. So he's preparing a place. He's just trying to get back to Jerusalem. So all the Samaritan people are... are there's history in there. I'm not going to get into all of it. The Samaritan people don't like the Jews. They didn't like anything. They didn't stand for it. But on their way, Jesus was going to stop and stay there. But they didn't want him to do that. They didn't want him to do that. It's So in verse 52, the people of Samaria didn't like the Jews from their past history. Jesus still sent people out to prepare a place for him in Samaria. But here's the the kicker. In verse 53, the people didn't welcome him. He was just passing through. That made them even more mad. Who did it make mad? It made James and John mad. So the caption, the title of my message today, uh, there's a little bit of both, but there's my main... Uh, topic today is responding or reacting to our situations. And so many of us want to react to our situations that we can get ourselves in. If someone were to come up towards my wife in a wrong manner, I'm probably going to react to that situation. But there's also coming a time to how do I respond to that situation to make that better. Could I stop something from exploding into a worse situation by briefly thinking how am I going to respond to that issue or situation instead of me, my own selfish ways, my own brain and my own attitude, how I'm going to react immediately. And reacting is not necessarily the right direction to go. Sometimes we have to make a quicker response than we would like to. Sometimes it does call for action, but that doesn't mean reacting is the right way to go. So flip on over to John 10 uh, with me real quick. Um, verse 18 here, and I'll further my point. Got it? Okay, so the people of Samaria, they don't like the Jews. They're all set up. They don't, they won't want to do that. They're, you know, James and, 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 and John are, are, their blood pressure's boiling. They're getting mad. They're coming against my, the person that I've served. They're coming against our Savior. They're coming against the Lord and Jesus Christ. They're coming against Him in a wrong manner. I've, I've got the, how many of you don't raise your hand, but, but I've gotten to that place when, when, when people claim to be atheists and they start degrading my Father, when they start degrading our Lord and Savior, I get angry. Don't talk to, don't talk to me. Don't tell me what your opinion is of him because I know who he is. So I'm right and I'm, and then, and they're wrong. See how I'm starting to react just as well as they're reacting there? 
I'm getting mad. Don't come against my family. Don't come against my wife. Don't come against any of you. Don't come against my friend. Don't come against my Savior. I'll kick your... That's a reaction. How would What did Jesus respond? He rebuked the one that was getting mad, and he let him go. He said, let's just move on. It's not a big deal. These people don't know what they're doing. They don't like us. Let's move forward to make the situation a little better. So it says right here in 18, and this is Jesus speaking, No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want, want to, and also to take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded me. So Jesus, and I I never, I didn't really think about it at first when I was in a relationship with Christ. All I've ever really thought is that the Jewish people, people, the, the rulers at the time, killed Jesus. Hung him to a cross unfairly. And that's true. But Jesus had the authority and the power to say, don't touch me. I'm not going to that cross. He didn't have to go to that cross. He went willingly to replace all of us. Physically, they took his life. But more importantly, Jesus gave his life for all of us. Amen. He gave his life willingly to replace us that should have been on that cross. He's the ultimate sacrifice. That's why that song was so fitting for me this morning of how he laid down his life and just just be in his presence, just be in his glory, just to be at the foot of Jesus Christ. How sufficient his blood was to cover all of our sins. Jesus still sent people out to prepare a place, even though he knew the things that he was going to deal with. So here's a question for you. We all kind of know how the disciples were reacting to it. How do you react in situations that come against you? John and James, should we burn them up? Well, man, they wanted to kill them. I would have just beat them up, but. They wanted to burn him and torture him for the love of Pete. I mean, how mad is John and Paul? I mean, how mad are these dudes? How mad can we get in our own circumstances, in our own situations? See, the difference from responding to reacting, a response requires a little bit of thinking. A little bit of what would Jesus do? A little bit of thinking with our hearts and not our hands. A reaction starts coming from our own mind, our brains, and then we start reacting and responding. A lot of times when we react, it's not requiring any thinking. We just are reacting to it of how we're feeling on the inside of it. Reacting requires emotions. Responding requires a thoughtful process through Christ. And, and guys, I'm preaching to the choir like this hit me. I've known for a little over two weeks that I was preparing this message and just here the recently these last few days, God laid this on my heart. Because certain things, and I've, I always, every time before I get up here, I always ask him, God, give me that direction. I don't want to be me up here. Use me as a conduit. What do you want me to bring to you? What do we need to do? Trying to be obedient to his word of what he wants me to do. 
And I was, as I was doing that, nothing was coming, nothing was coming, and I was getting frustrated. Not necessarily at God, I just wasn't sure if I was listening correctly or not. And I started to react in those situations, and then it, it just started building up in me. It started just coming up to me, and I started reacting to the situation I was in instead of just calmly sit there and pray, and that's, what, that's when he told me. He said, look how you're reacting to my response that you wanted two weeks ago. I was reacting because it wasn't happening on my time or how I thought God was supposed to give it to me. God, you don't understand. I need two weeks to prepare. I'm going to mess this up. I'm going to do that and all that. When all along God knows what's going to go on, I just got to convey it. He knows the timing. He knows the place. But see, I started to react at my own situation. And until I started to go back and follow him and listen to his response, God, am I missing your answer? And when I did that, he gave me that. He said, quit reacting and start responding to what I give you. And then this mess, and then I had so much information, like I, I was, I actually put a lot of this back together yesterday. Because what he was filling me with was this big now, and I wanted to put it on a piece of paper so I could convey it to get you guys to understand what God was doing in my life. It went from nothing, it went from this big, from me reacting to what I thought God needed to do for me, for me getting all this information and the direction and the guidance, and, the, and it was so clear on where I needed to head from that moment. There was just a big piece, and I just started writing and writing and writing and writing and writing. As soon as I responded to that situation, instead of react, God opened the doors for me. And He'll do it for us. He'll do it for us if we just assess and look at the situation. So James and John were just, they were just flying off the handle, and what did Jesus do? Ah, let's move on. The disciples reacted according to how. This is important. This is what God told me too. The disciples reacted according to how they and Jesus were getting treated and what was happening to them in that moment. Right? We react to certain circumstances on how we're getting treated. If we walk into a place and, and everybody's yelling and cussing and screaming and don't like you and this and there's chaos going on and all, well, I'm going to respond. I'm going to react to that. We're reacting to our situations and some of them aren't fun. Some of them aren't, aren't anything to be talking about. But if we can learn to practice taking a deep breath and looking how do we respond to these situations and, and until those disciples until James and John, did I keep saying Paul? Was I saying James and John? Okay. When James and John, now I can't say it. When James and John were responding that direction, all along Jesus was sitting back there getting ready to respond while they were reacting to that situation. And we do that very same thing a lot of times. We're responding, we're, we're reacting out of reflex, out of, out of, out of a protection. We've got to save ourselves. We, I, I, you know, I'm going to be right. I'm not, I'm, you're going to be wrong. I'm going to one up you. 
My wife and I have a little bit of that battle back and forth because we have that that personality. Yeah, she's going, I always win. I'm getting old enough now. She doesn't know it, but I just let her win because I'm over it. <laughs> but there when we were growing up, that like, yeah, I'm going to get yelled at later. That, that was ad lib too, so it's not even in my notes, so I know I'm going to hear about it. But we, we would, we've got competitive personalities. Both of us do. And, it, and, it, and it's not huge. They weren't huge argument. It wasn't, I say argument. It was just a, like a difference of opinion sometimes. Do you want chocolate milk? What's better? Chocolate milk or white milk? That's how stupid some of the conversations were. And I would prove to her chocolate milk's better than white milk. I mean, it would be something so trivial to that, but we were both feeding off one another and we were reacting to the other responses we were giving one another and it would escalate. You're driving too slow. No, I'm driving the speed limit. Well, that would be her. You're driving too fast. That would be me. You're driving too fast. Slow down. And then I could tell her, no, if you're not going to get the ticket, I'm going to get the ticket. So I'm going to drive as fast as I want to. But those, those, we're reacting to one another's circumstances instead of responding back to one another and say, you know what? Maybe I should slow down. You're just trying to protect me. That's all she was doing is don't get a ticket. But I took it as don't tell me how to drive. <laughs> right? We're, we're reacting to it instead of responding. She's just protecting me. But in that moment, my blood pressure's starting to rise up. See, I, I carry a CDL driver's license. I've run heavy equipment. I've driven oversized load trucks. I've driven 100,000-pound big rigs. Larry Smithy can attest to this. And then you're trying to tell me how to drive my own car? That's the stuff that starts going through my head. And it's absolutely asinine. It's stupid. It is. Reacting to all those situations when, and when, in the truth of the matter is, all she was trying to do is help me and protect me from getting a ticket. End of story. Right? Or I think that's why it is. Maybe you were trying to tell me what to do. <laughs> but see, that, that's what it is. We can justify, we can justify our anger by thinking they don't know any better. I know better because see here, here's the kicker. I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I know who He is in my life. I know what He's done for me. So you don't have a relationship with Christ. You don't know who, who He is. So you're obviously wrong. And that's, that's how James and John were looking at the situation, but Jesus wasn't. What did Jesus, what did, when He was about ready to die on this cross, this, I'm getting way off my notes, but things are hitting me. When Jesus was dying on that cross, in torture, in pain, bleeding everywhere, what did he yell out to his Father in heaven? Forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. He could have screamed out, kill them all, they don't know what they're doing. Why did they put me through this pain? Why did they put me through this torture? He did it for all of us. He was even responding in the worst possible moment a human being could go through. Responded to that situation and reacting, reacted according to what God said. 
I mean, that, that, that's amazing. I don't have that. I'm not there yet. I, I could not respond if I was in that situation. I would be reacting to it. Here's a fault of mine. I, probably the disciples and maybe some of you. And I just kind of read this, but we can justify our anger by thinking we know God. We can get angry towards that. See, we can, I can, I can think my anger is okay because someone else came against me or came against God. I can, I can talk myself into thinking my anger's okay because I have a relationship with Christ. I can justify it. Yes. I can justify my anger. And that's even a, a worse place to be. And that's even a more dangerous to place to be into thinking that, that you have that right to take your emotions because somebody's offended you or you went through a certain, certain circumstance and you can get mad at it. That's dangerous. Here's another question for y'all. So what does it mean to react? And in a nutshell, there's a, there's a longer definition, but in a nutshell, when we react to something, it means to retaliate. It means to start paying somebody back an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a fire for fire. I'm going to, you did this to me. I'm going to get you back. It's, it, it's, it's retaliating against whatever event, event that we're in. See, the disciples wanted to re- react. They wanted to retaliate. They wanted to kill the Samaritans. They wanted to burn them all up. They're reacting. They're responding. They want to retaliate for the offenses that, that they thought they were receiving, the offenses that Jesus Christ was receiving, and wanted to retaliate against them. What would that have, if Jesus would have said, yeah, okay, just go burn them all up. What, what would that have solved? See, Jesus respond, he thought this through. James and John, they just, he immediately wanted to attack him and kill somebody. What would that have done if the, if the entire town of Samaria, if all the Samarian people were burned up? Did all the rest of the surviving Samaritans that only got three degree burns and didn't die, third degree burns and didn't die, did that change their attitude toward Jesus Christ? Did he go, did they all of a sudden go, oh yeah, now I know who you are. I love you. Come on in. You can stay with me. It would have solved absolutely nothing by a reaction that they wanted to kill those guys. How much more of a reaction? Now, I don't know the truth. I didn't go study and research this. But with Jesus leaving quietly, going on to another town, leaving this place that the Samaritans didn't want them in anyway, they refused his entry to stay in there, so they moved on. And then just simply went out quietly. Now, how many of people in that town might have thought, he didn't do anything. He didn't hurt us. He didn't cuss us out. He didn't rip us a new one. He didn't do anything. He just simply moved on. Well, maybe who knows what their thought process would have been different if they would have had a retaliation against them. That would have brought that relationship of knowing who Jesus Christ was even further. If they were already upset and didn't like the Jews, how much more would they not like the Jews if they started burning up their people in their cities? It would not have solved anything. So Jesus moved on. He, re- he, he didn't retaliate like the other behaviors of the disciples were going to do, like, like some circumstances that we would do. 
So I'll, I'll make this a little bit lighter here. I'm kind of getting on everybody. I'm really just telling you what I was going through at some points in my life and, and, and how, to, how to manage it. But isn't it the truth when someone has done us wrong or they don't understand the situation, what we're going through, have different beliefs, how do we respond to those situations? And that, this is another portion of where I'm working on in my relationship is having skin in the game. Having, you know, the other portion of this message is man in the arena, and you're going to see why here in a little bit. My thought process is you don't know my situation. You don't know what I've gone through. You don't have any skin in the game with me right now. You don't have any right to tell me your opinion or what you think should have happened. You're not living it. You're not in it. You don't have any right to do that. You're not in the arena fighting this battle that I'm fighting. You don't know what I'm in there. See how angry I'm getting already just talking about it? You don't know what I'm going through. But it's the mercy of God that says he does know what we're going through. But until you get in that arena, actually fight some of the battles that you're fighting, going through some of those situations, you you can get worked up when someone, just like the example I just said, in reality, those people are probably trying to help you and find a solution because they're trying to think clearly in how to respond to what they're hearing when you're reacting to your situation. There's a possibility that they're just trying to give some sound advice through the Word of God or to stand by you, brother, and say, man, I know what you're going through. But we can react in anger and response like, you don't know what I'm going through. Leave me alone. That's out of anger. That's out of reacting to the situation. When in reality, most people are just trying to help us out. That's the grace and mercy that we receive that Jesus Christ recognized to walk on. To move forward, to stand by him, to lift him up. So I'll tell you this story, a little bit lighter story. Trace, I don't know why this popped into our heads. We were talking about the message and all this, and this was an example that she came up with. I thought, okay, that's pretty good because I'm getting really serious and pounding people hard. So I need a light story to tell. So when my son, I wasn't there, huh? Thank God. You were there because he asked you to watch. So, this is kind of an inside deal. So, my son was about eight years old, and we were, we were, we were at the, at the house, and I wasn't either there or downstairs or, or something was going on, but she had just gotten back from the grocery store, and they were carrying groceries in, and, and, uh, Brandon was carrying in two gallons of milk in his hands, and to this day, I have no idea, but, He looks over at Tracy and says, hey, mom, watch this. And he takes those two gallon jugs of milk, flings them up in the air and in the house, on the carpet and in the kitchen, flings them up in the air thinking he can just grab those handles back and he was, look at that. Why that popped into his head, I, he had to have rehearsed that at some point. Something got into his head that he could catch these two gallons of milk. I don't know why. I've never done that. He's never seen it. Something popped into his head. 
that I'm going to flip this milk in the air and catch it, and Mom's going to go, wow, that's really good, Brandon. Well, needless to say, he didn't catch the handles. Two gallons of milk on the carpet and the floor, and they just explode. Poof! There's milk all over the kitchen, soaking wet carpet. I mean, it hit so stinking hard, we had to... Well, I didn't do it, but he had to get up and wash the ceilings. It was everywhere. And so she made him, and I would have done the same thing. He started... He had to clean it all up. You made the mess. I didn't do it. You clean it all up. So And he did. He cleaned it up. But what we found out is sour milk in the carpet doesn't come out very good. But then you can start smelling it. Huh. So we had to get a, a a carpet cleaner deal or them little... We did it ourselves. We didn't hire it out. Just We had to vacuum the carpet up over and over and over to get that sour smell kitchen stuff. But if I were there, especially at that time in my life, I wasn't, I I was in a relationship with God, but he was in a way better relationship with me than I was with him. Let's put it that way. I would have come on court. Probably, well, I never did hit him because I was, I didn't want to get my anger. I never did really spank him. She's the one who hit him with stuff. Anything close by, a coat hanger, a paddle, a spoon, a root, whatever. Whoop that kid. It's a good thing nowadays that they'd come around nowadays and see the bruises and the spankings on my... Oh, yeah, and it wouldn't be just him. She'd smack his friends around. And and what's funny about it is their parents knew it and said, go right ahead, hit them. If they're misbehaving, whoop them. There's a couple kids in this church that my wife is spanking. Well, maybe not and lean them over the knee, but I guarantee you there's a couple people that tend this church that that she's punched. <laughs> True story. They're not here today, so I can say it. But that I'm getting way off the track. But I would have responded in a complete, I wouldn't even have responded. I, I truly probably would have reacted in a manner of, of anger just coming out at him. And what would that have solved? Like he already felt bad. He wasn't laughing, believe me. I, or, or I would have seen that and then I would, she started to giggle like her response was, she actually thought this through and her first question was, why did you do that? Like it was so baffling to her that he did it. She couldn't even get mad. But she truly thought through like, all right, well, I can't fix it now. Brandon, why? What got into your head thinking you could do that? I don't know. I thought I could just catch him by the handle. He He just did it. But she responded in a manner of trying to find the reasoning behind why he did what he did. Now, that is kind of a funny, silly situation, yes. But sometimes we can react and forget and assess the situation that we're going through. What's that correct response? And how is it going to benefit either getting out of that situation or rectifying that situation situation, or making that situation better to handle and deal with by going through God that will give of all of His strength according to His riches and glories. 
that we can receive from him by responding in a manner that he would do. I always thought when those bracelets came out, what would Jesus do? You know, all the rubber bracelet things that everybody is wearing a long time ago. But I find myself so many times trying to remember literally what would Jesus do in this circumstance? How would Jesus respond? And it's helped me. It's literally helped me to think about what would Jesus really do? I thought it was kind of hokey at first, but it's so true. So here's another question. And I've touched on this a little bit, but so Jesus, Jesus's response towards the Samaritans was basically, let's move forward. Let's go on. But Jesus thought what Jesus carried the character of God. How would God respond to those circumstances? Jesus responded in meekness. He didn't respond out of hatred. He didn't respond out of anger. He didn't react. I keep saying respond and react backwards. Jesus did not react out of emotions. He responded to thinking through the process of how to do it. And that process was handle that meekness. Now that word meekness, to me, when I first hear meekness, the first thing that pops into my head is weak. And that is so far from the truth. So far from the truth. When we think of meekness, we think of little babies and little fat, fluffy puppies and little things that are soft and, and weak. That's what I think meekness is. Like you're, you're quitting, you're giving up. But Jesus responded in meekness. In verse, in verse 56, it said, in the New King James Version, this is what it said. I read, uh, to you in the, the earlier, a different version, but in New King James Version it says, For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And then they went their way. Jesus didn't come to, to respond and react, or to react in that manner. Jesus could have, right? He could have destroyed those people in the blink of an eye, but he responded in meekness. He responded in that way. I thought I wrote down another. So meekness, this is, this is what the definition I feel. I kind of wrote it in my own words, so this is my translation. But meekness means that the Lord had the power to destroy them because of their actions, but he didn't. See, meekness, reacting or responding in meekness is power and strength. When we control our meekness, Towards others, when we hand out mercy and grace as God has given us freely, we're responding in the power of the Lord that He has given us in meekness. It's strength, not weak. It's power, not soft little cuddly puppy dogs. It's not little, it's not, it's not a weak thing. It's strength by the power of the Lord in our lives and He's given to us freely if we'll utilize it by responding in a way Jesus would respond. So I'm going to, just for the sake of time, um, if you have a pencil, paper, your phone, type, however you want to do. As I was reading and researching it, God was taking me through some scriptures to kind of to clear my head and to, to kind of see where he was going with this. So I'm just going to give them to you 
uh, without reading them all or putting them up here, but Matthew 11, uh, 29, that has to do with I'm meek. Jesus is speaking in there. He's talking about I am meek. Titus chapter 3, verse 2. And that again, that'll, that refers back to Jesus talking about, I'm not going to speak evil over any man. I'm not going to call that out. I'm not going to speak evil, evil over that. Second Timothy chapter two, verse 25. Again, that's another meekness scripture introducing and, 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 uh, Christ opposing that to themselves. Psalms 116 verse five. And it's talking about the grace of the Lord. So you can go back and, and further study that if this is interesting with you, if you're dealing with things, if you're reacting, responding, however you want to do that. I just know that that kind of took a path for me to start looking at what God has want me to do today. So you can you can take that for, for what it's worth. Um, so our Lord has reacted instead of... So our Lord has... Responded instead of reacted. We would, we would be, anyway, so if the Lord, I wrote the notes down wrong, so I know what I'm going to say anyway. <laughs> Maybe I need to get proofreader over here to, to help me out. I know what I was, I know what I was going to say anyway. So if our Lord, if our God, if Jesus Christ would react instead of respond, to the things we go through, or the stuff that we deal with, or the things that we may do, or sin against Him, if He would react instead of respond to our circumstances in our lives, we'd all be in a world of hurt. Right? We'd be put to death. If we were to go back to Old Testament times, we would all be put to death. If Jesus would react the way all of us or those disciples reacted to those situations and react to some of the things that we do. We're done with. If he, if, cause God can get mad, right? We all know God can get mad. Jesus can get mad. But he also knows that the response that he's given. Why? Jesus turned the tables over, right? He didn't do that with a smile on his face. He didn't do that with a loving, Come here, let me fix the table. I, I, I lost my temper. I'm, I, I was mad at you guys. You're defiling the temple. But you know what? It's okay. He didn't come that way. He was mad. But he also explained to them what they were doing was defiling the Lord's temple. So he also responded in a manner for all of us to understand the situation. Look, don't do this anymore. These are the consequences. It's how we manage our anger, how we manage our frustration, how we respond to those situations in it. One of the biggest things, and I, I touched on it a little bit, we, we think being Christians that we can get angry and it'll be okay, right? Like we can do that. I know who God is and you don't. I know who God is and you don't. So I have that right to get mad at you. I have that right to say, I don't like your opinion. It's wrong. Well, what? Let's turn the table here. How many people have not come to Christ because they think all of us are hypocrites? How many people are, are, are they 
telling others about, hey, man, this guy just did this. And, you know, there's a there's a guy, maybe a few of them. That, this always sticks into my head. There's a guy at, at Tracy's work at she works at CSU, as you can tell, obviously a university that's not Republican. <laughs> so you got this Christian Christian guy loving Jesus Christ, and he's got his Bible out in one hand, and he's just degrading every one of those kids that's coming by. You're going to burn in hell. You're you're a dope addict. You're drinking. You better come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And this is this is what he's saying to him. I want to have a conversation. Now, I would have to respond to this man in a very calm manner. Otherwise, I wasn't, I wouldn't have gotten my point across. I would be standing in fear when I came face to face with Jesus Christ and he said, you know how many people you turned away from my relationship because of your attitude? That would scare me to death. And he would get up just like this. This is why I get up. He'd get up above the ground. He'd stand on a stump or something, right? He'd get up on the stump and look down on all the students. Those kids have enough problems as it is, right? And I don't agree with a lot of things that they do. Don't get me wrong. But chewing them out and shoving a finger in their chest and pointing it out. Hey, I'm the one. I'm going to heaven. I know Jesus Christ. You're going to hell if you don't know who Jesus Christ is. Yeah. But let's explain it a little bit better. Jack wagon. You're not bringing anything to the table. You don't have any irons in the fire. You are not standing in the arena and fighting the fight we're supposed to fight. That God requires us to. You think you're fighting a fight. You are fighting a fight. But you're fighting a personal fight, not the battle for God. And we can get wrapped up into those things. We, we, we can lose track. You see how fast I was talking about those examples? I was literally getting mad at this dude. That's how quick. I'm not thinking straight. I'm not thinking clearly. All I know what's on the inside of me and I, what I would like to do to this dude. <laughs> We've got to be able to learn. We have to come into a lifestyle of responding to our situations instead of reacting. And it's hard, especially for dudes. Like I, I, I know for a fact if something, something went wrong towards her, I'm going to react. I'll just be honest with you. I'm going to, it's, that's just the way. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of other husbands, boyfriend, whatever the case may be, that's probably all of us, right? I'm, I know that I'm not standing alone in that. You're not coming against my wife. Now I might politely say, let's go outside so I don't get blood in the church floor. <laughs> or my blood, who knows? I don't know. <laughs> But we're going to react to those circumstances and those situations. And I ask, when I pray all the time, God, help me to respond. I don't know about you, but every time I get in my car and drive, I God, let me respond. I don't know their situation. Yes, I know they're driving like an idiot. But please help them and bless them. Pastor Lynette actually did this. And she can manage it. She reasons with the situation. She actually, when somebody cuts her off or flips her off or does something stupid that we think stupid, she actually prays for them to be blessed. She does. Ask her. I don't have that in me quite yet. 
But what more of a response would that be? Now, I don't, I don't know if, if those people are going to receive the blessings she's got, but maybe next time she won't get cut off. Maybe next time you won't get the bird. You don't know. But she handled those circumstances with reasoning, and, and, and what would God do? God would walk, because I'm not welcome, God walked to the next town. He didn't flip somebody off and get mad. He just simply walked off in meekness to the next town. That's what we should do. That's what we should do. So here in a minute, I think it's a little over a minute. Um, and this is so funny. When God started to download this in me, I really hadn't, I had not even heard this. So Teddy Roosevelt's going to give us a brief speech. It's a minute. It's actually not him doing it, but he's the one initially gave the speech. It's another guy doing it. And I had no idea. I had never heard this speech before. I, I really did not know. And it's truly called man in the arena. And what was so like, there's so many like Brene Brown has a got full fledged message out there on the internet about men in the arena, uh, having a dog in the fight. And I, I knew nothing about this until I started researching this. This is when God told me, quit reacting and respond to the situations. And then I started researching and come to find out, like, people are, apparently everybody got it before I did. I don't know. But this speech was Teddy Roosevelt. And it's all, it's talking about being invested in your situation. So if you're ready, then you can play it. Good editing, Rhett. Better. <laughs> the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again. Because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. That was a good speech. I actually listened to Teddy Roosevelt. It's a big old long speech, but that's just a portion of it. But it really did, it truly made me think about having your hand in something and how how offended or frustrated I would get when people without being invested or not knowing my circumstance or situation, how I was reacting to those those situations. So I got one more quick story to tell you. This is a little bit more serious. But again, involving my son. <laughs> so I'm at work one day and I get a phone call and it's him on the phone and I can tell in his voice that something something happened. And he was at, uh, it was after school. I knew he wasn't at at a rodeo or didn't get hurt doing that or, you know, 
a lot of things go through your head when you get a phone call from your kid in the middle of the day. So I got a phone call. I could tell in his voice that something was wrong. He said, Dad, I wrecked the car. And I said, well, are you, are you all right or what? what's going You know, that was my first response. My first res- like I want to know that he's okay. Now, why he wrecked it and what car and the cost and all that, then that can get you mad. But first and foremost, him and his friend were completely fine. So what had happened was, to preface this, I don't completely blame him for it. Because one, I already showed, he knew how to drive. I taught him. I taught him. We lived in a rural area out, kind of out here, right? I mean, teach our kids how to drive. End of story. So he knew how to drive. I taught him how to drive. So they, my son and his friend were at my house, and we only live a couple miles apart, so it wasn't like he drove 35 miles away. And he took his friend back home because he was going to be late for a baseball game because his jack wagon older brother wouldn't come pick him up, and he could drive. The kicker of it, my son was 14. He didn't even have a driver's license, no permit, no nothing. So he thought, well, you're going to be late for your base. I'll just drive you. So he got in the car and, and took him, took, was taking him back to, to the house. Well, coming down the highway, it's, it's a little bit of a grade, but when you turn off onto the dirt road, it's even a turn and down even hill anymore. Well, it had rained and it was wet. And he took that corner a little too fast, not knowing. And the car just slid off the road and the, Dumped it in the ditch, basically, but the ditch was so far that it leaned plumb over and the car stopped leaning up against the fence. So nobody was hurt. The car was trashed. So they climb out, and then I was in Walsenburg at the time, about 30 minutes away. I had I drove back out here, and the cops were all there. And they're, they're doing their deal, and I don't know why it takes three cop cars for one wreck, but they're covering all their roads. Their lights are still on, and... And I'm not dogging on the policeman, but I don't know why we needed all of them there. But So at this point, my blood pressure is starting to build up. I'm starting to process things in my head like, you know better. What are you doing? Like, what what's happening? And then things were just starting to well on me. And then the policemen were coming up here and a little bit chewing on me. That wasn't a good move. I don't care. I mean, I no disrespect to the men in uniform. My dad was one of them. But you don't need to tell me what I need to do with my kid right now. Or this is, I don't care what you're wearing and the authority you got. This is where I was getting mad. <laughs> and I pretty much told him that. Then they'd come to me. Well, well, sir, I need your insurance and registration. And I said, well, it's in the car. And he kind of looked at me cross-eyed. And I said, well, I didn't wreck this car. I said, you either send him in there or you can go get it yourself. I have no part of this. I didn't wreck it. It wasn't my situation. My, uh, that's what I told my son. I said, you're old enough to drive a car. You're old enough to take the ticket and go get the insurance. You figure it out. Because he truly didn't know what to do. But I was at that place. of, And I was managing it this way, like... And through the whole situation, I was really trying to reason with it because I did not want to pop. And I was just, you did it, you fix it. And I told the policeman, like, hey, 
it's pretty easy for you, and I'm paraphrasing. I probably used words and stuff that I'm not going to use up here. But I said, look, I said, that's my son. He made that mistake, and I'll deal with it how I want to handle it. You do your job, and I'll do mine. You telling me how to manage this situation or how to handle my kid in this situation is none of your dadgum business. And I told him that. I said, you do you, I'll do me, and we'll get this figured out. And at that point, Brandon's friend's mother was here too. We were on their long driveway. We were basically on private property at this point. That's another reason I got mad because I couldn't really see why the state patrol had to show up and he was wrecked a car on a personal driveway. But don't, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to react to that. So everything got taken care of, and, and I felt I handled it as well as I could. Now, he had consequences. The car was totaled, but we had insurance. But he worked. He worked to pay some stuff off. And, and again, he recognized his mistakes, and mistakes come with consequences. And he, he did everything and, and went well and, and come to find out, I, I didn't see it, but, uh, my, Brandon's friend's mother, Brandon, Dusty, Shied, there was another person, I don't remember, I think it was the neighbors or something was over there. And they all said after the fact said, I've never seen you so mad in my life. I thought you were going to kill everybody. And I thought, I didn't, I wasn't yelling, screaming, cussing. I didn't grab him by the shirt tail or I didn't do anything. But they could just see by how I was responding to that situation. Like they were on eggshells. They knew, and I didn't know this at the time. Like the kids, we talk about it since then. Like everybody knew how like, I've never seen you that mad, and I didn't feel like I was even angry. I thought I did a great job handling the situation. <laughs> but they knew just one more step, and, and so did the police officer. They quit talking to me. They were going to the mother or going to my son to get further answers. They didn't even come. They Once I told them that, they didn't come talk to me. I had nothing else to say to them. R- write the kid a ticket, and I'll, we'll go to court. And we went to court, and... and here by responding the way the kids responded to the judge, by the way we responded to the judge. He just got suspended, got his license, his permit on time. He had to pay a fine. So there was grace and mercy in the way we handled that situation. There really was. I didn't know it at the time, but looking back, how that situation unfolded, we had gotten grace by the ticket. We had gotten grace by the judge. And he got it. I mean, they could have suspended or not allowed him to get his license for two more years. He would have been over 16 years old before he could have even got his permit, but he got it on time because the judge gave grace and mercy. And we were blessed because of the situation and how he respected that and how Brandon walked in there and how he responded to the people of authority in it. He could have been mad too, but he didn't. It was all how we responded and reacted. In those situations. So I'll leave you with this. The disciples were no different than us. When we feel someone has, has done us wrong. 
or has no place in the arena with us, that arena of our situation, that arena of life, that arena in our marriages, that arena to that, we have a tendency that we all want to retaliate and react. But I want to pray over you all today that we can begin a lifestyle no matter how hard it is, no matter what we're going through, no matter what our past looks like. It doesn't even matter how guilty or how much shameful you think you are. When you learn to respond in a manner of how God wants to respond to us, it gets easier. It becomes a lifestyle. It becomes a habit to just go, let me think about it. Let me take two steps backward, assess the situation, and then make a clean decision instead of react to the circumstances that we live in. Amen? All right. Let me pray for you guys. Father, we just thank you for this day, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for the free gift of your grace and mercy every single day of our lives. Father, we just thank you for going to that cross that you went willingly to put yourself through the pain and the torture and suffering to replace us. How great is your love towards each and every one of us. So, Father, I just pray now that you would begin to to work your mighty miracles, to give us strength and power, to respond and work out situations that we are placed in instead of react to the earthly things that we see and hear. That a blessing is coming forth, Father, when we respond in a manner of how you would want us to. When we are obedient to your word, when we are obedient to your teachings, Father, that you bless us every time. So, Father, I just pray that we would all begin a lifestyle of responding. That you would show us the direction, show us the things to say with a meek heart with a strong heart and all that we have accomplished and all the things that we are supposed to accomplish for you, Father, that you are with us everywhere we go. Your word says you will never forsake us nor never leave us. So, Father, I just pray that your presence are in this place today. Begin to restore the things that they may feel unworthy of, to restore the things that they may have done in the past, that, you're for, that you have forgiven them, Father. That your blood has covered all sin. Your word says that you cast it as far as the east is to the west and remember him no more, Father. So I pray that we don't. That we are worthy in your eyes. No matter what we've done, where we've been. How we've responded or reacted to our situations, Father. Your great love is upon us. I'm going to ask you again. I know I kind of did it at the beginning, but I feel the need now. If there's truly someone in here that does not know the value you carry in the eyes of the Lord, that does not have a relationship, that you don't have a relationship, or maybe you're like me for a good portion of my life, that relationship is lopsided, that God's passionately pursuing us to restore us, to bring us forward, to step us out of our situations. But we're living in a place of not willing, of not listening, and we want to get back. 
So if that's you, if you're if you're wanting to to develop a relationship with God, if you're asking Jesus Christ to be your Savior for the very first time, or you just want to get back in a lifestyle of loving Him, raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Hands everywhere. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Father, for those that just raised their hands, Father, I just pray peace. Lord, send your peace and joy to let them know how much your love is upon them. That you see them worthy. That you see them restored in whatever they are. So I pray that they feel that, Father. Send your Holy Spirit to dwell on the inside of them. To stir those gifts up that belong on the inside of them, Father. Thank you, Lord. We just praise you and give you all the glory and honor. It's by the powerful name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen.